He is eating it to the rind. This following episode contains spoilers for the film or films being discussed. You have been warned. remember the big moments in the movies we see, the big set pieces, the famous dialogue, the twists, the naked times. But film is an entity made up of hundreds of little moments that either make them special or relegate them to obscurity. We are here to talk about those moments. Welcome to Movie Microscope. Kick it, Movie Microscope. episode is almost an angel ladies and gentlemen welcome to the latest movie microscope my name is nick nunziata and i am your gracious host alongside me the mouthy frothy swarthy smarty pants justin waddell how's it going you know that's okay how you doing i'm good we you out there dodging yeah i'm trying it's getting worse out there nah it's getting better no no depends on oh, I mean, if you ask covid <laughs> And I have, I have been asking COVID. Yeah. Yeah. So how about you? What's going on? How was the weekend? Yeah, it was fine. Yeah? Yeah. COVID tried to sell me bait at the bait shop. I couldn't believe it. I, I don't even know why I was there in the first place. Yeah? yeah were, you, just, you, were, were you looking to fish? No, nah, just hanging out, you know, looking for a fucking quickie. <laughs> and then what happened? Uh, I, I just fucking slowly backed out. Hmm. Um. But we're done with Star Wars for a while. That makes me happy. Why? You you rolled out some great tunes for that. You're quite inspired, I thought. Oh, uh, yeah, well, Star Wars. Thank you. No, I'm, I'm. It's time to do some good movies again. And you claimed, you claimed something that I, I I did a little research and I think you were absolutely accurate. What's that? That three PO is the first Karen. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a pretty deep cut. It's a pretty deep cut. Still makes me laugh. All right, guys. Guys, you know, I mean, we're, thanks for everything. We we love it. Um, we're one episode away from doing our first uh, listener suggestion, so that'll be fun. Um, we, uh, Mister Johnny Mac, said he might want a guest on that. We'll see. We'll see how we're feeling. If we're feeling, you know, giving. But um, guys, it's a movie microscope. It's a show where we zoom in. We watch a film with terry cloth eyes. We uh, pull the ruffles out. We, uh, we, we kind of do the two-step and jeté a little bit. You know, watch a film with a set of perpendicular eyes and then squeeze on out. You know, see what makes or breaks. So if we were watching uh, Smiller's Sense of Snow, <laughs> we wouldn't talk about the scene where Julia Mon goes acorns out at the nude beach and somehow wins the lottery. We talk about the little moments. I do believe you said Smillers. Uh, I, I said Smiller, but I had that uh, that Jack Nicholson accent on it. You know, a little stink. Yeah. What's your? Let me ask you real quick. What's your history with that movie? Oh, man, we go back. 
Yeah. Are you pro or con or mond? Big fan. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my favorite, uh, probably my second favorite vampire. Um, I thought Banderas killed it. Um, you know, um, so, you know, there's a lot of little moments in the movie we're going to talk about today. 1990s, almost an angel. We finally Rit- got here. Yeah. Written by and starring Mr. Paul Hogan, Esquire. What was and, um, your what, what's your relationship with this movie? <laughs> Recent. <laughs> <laughs> um, new. I don't know if I ever saw it. I don't recognize I didn't recognize any scenes from it. Yeah. Other than that he bears a striking resemblance to Ellen DeGeneres throughout old Paul Hogan. I thought he what was about, charming looking. He looked what, he reminded me a little bit of Lance Henriksen from time to time. He reminded me a little bit of our friend Steve sometimes. <laughs> I could see Steve that. Murphy. So yeah. what what how about you? Like I, I obviously I knew Paul Hogan from the Crocodile Dundee series. I saw both of those in the theater. I did not chase him to this movie though. Nor I. First time for me. This mm-hmm. is one of those this is one of those movies that pops up in a in an episode and commits to a memory and and that's all she wrote, you know? Mm-hmm. They uh he thought to himself, they bought me as an Australian outback madman and adventurer. They're gonna buy me as a as a techno skilled con con man criminal slash angel. Yeah. <laughs> and he thought that this was gonna kick off a series of films for him, I think. As and of, as of this as of this recording, it has not. No. So now after this, he did go back to the Crocodile Dundee series, though. Yeah, I mean, you know, you gotta, you know, it's the hand that feeds him. You there's know, you three, can't. There's three of those, Nick. Have, Nick, have you seen all three? I see. I've seen the first one. And I saw a percentage of the second one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I haven't seen the one in space yet. Does um, he go to space in the third one? No, I think he goes to New York. No. Oh. Okay. Anyway, so wait, yeah, I don't. Didn't he do that in the first one? No, the first one it's all it's all fish out of water from the Linda Kozlowski. How, how do you say her name? Kozlowski. I say Linda. What I say? Oh, you say uh, Linda. <laughs> but uh, you know, she. I think she's from New York or something, and then she goes. She's out. I don't think. I think they spend the whole time in Australia. So maybe know? the second one's in New York. Maybe. Yeah, the third one I think takes place uh, someplace unique. But either way. I got what I needed. I saw the first one in the theater more than once, so I did my a, part. It was a big hit. Yep. And I, I liked it. I remember really enjoying well, it. It led to one, probably my favorite of your impressions. Well, so that's not gnaw. <laughs> I have a new one. I have a new wait. version of it. I can't wait. I can't um, wait. But it involves the worst. The worst is whenever okay. someone says the name of the impersonation they're doing, but I have to do it. Okay. Are you going to mix it in, or are we going to hear it now? I'm just going to do it right now. Let's hear it. Um, I'm Paul Hagen. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) It's actually pretty good. It's like being in the room with him. I'm Paul Hagen. (laughs) Okay. It's not bad. Yep, yep. Um, So the story is uh, about a gentleman who is a thief, and upon exiting prison, he plans another heist, and... Kind of does a good deed sort of spontaneously and pays supposed to be the ultimate price mm-hmm. where he meets the Lord and then is sent back to earth as an angel or so he thinks. The whole movie is built around this super mystery about whether it's all in his head 
or if he's truly an angel. I take issue with it. Yeah. I don't even think it's built around a super mystery. They flat out tell you he's hallucinating that he's an angel until the end. Yeah. <laughs> and they pull a sixth sense a little bit on us. Yeah. Where they have a twist ending to this movie. I mean, if you want to call it that. It is. Well, this movie starts out, Nick. You had a, It's a beautiful description that you provided. Um, but let's just completely, let's just start talking about the credits. Go ahead. He has, he has an interesting credit, Paul Hogan, in this. He wrote First it. First of all, his name is above the title. Yeah. Of course. And then he has a an executive produced and written by Paul Hogan credit. Yeah. I've never seen that in any film. Those two things together. Especially with his name. No. Well, I don't know. Maybe the Dundee movies carry that too. I don't know. Yeah. Well, you know what? You could see it in the story. It's he obviously knows uh, his subject matter because he wrote about himself and he wrote a part for himself that is super Paul Hogan. <laughs> the movie plays to his strengths. Yeah. Yeah. And is. he also is just, I mean, it also lives and dies on his charm, right? That's kind of the whole movie is just him being charming, right? In a, in a Paul Hogan way. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. But this movie threw me. How's that? It stars Elias Cotius, who is incredible, an incredible actor. I did not expect to see him in this movie. When his name flew across the credits, I got teary-eyed. I yeah. cannot wait to see him. Well, that's uh, the real reason I was excited about doing this, because... I, I had no idea. I mean, you take those two guys and you put them together, it's like lightning. Uh, Elias Cotius, uh, I would... Have we done a movie yet with him in it? We've talked about show? him a bit. I don't know if we've done a movie with him yet. We've talked about him quite a bit. A legendary Canadian actor. He's been around for a long time. Always great and pretty much... And he's very... I read an interview with him. He's super hard on himself Yeah. about his performances. And I wonder what he thinks of his uh, acting chops in this one. He says it's still his favorite movie that he's been in. <laughs> He's, he's worked. He's worked with Scorsese, <laughs> Adam McGoyan, uh, Fincher. Yeah, or, was it Fincher? Yeah, he worked with Fincher, right? Yeah, Zodiac, and and Benjamin Button, right? Uh, probably. Yeah, he played the, the dad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Plus, he's got a great name, Elias Coteus. It just rolls off the tongue, man. He's and he was in Fallen. He's in actually. He was in another. So you forgot angel. to say that he's worked. For a wide variety of amazing filmmaking, Gregory Hoblitz or Gregory, Gregory yeah. Hoblet. Yeah. But he was in the prophecy, the, uh, the Christopher Walken yep. prophecy. And he played in that movie involved angels too. So it wasn't like when he got on that set, he already had experience. Yeah. Well, that's why they hired him. May you, may you, huh? That's why they got him. I think it was is that. Why? Is it Gregory Wyden that did that, or somebody like? He, yeah, I think he I think did it, it is Gregory. Wyden. He's like, uh, we need somebody to play this this lead character, sort of a a tragic figure to some extent. Um, we need somebody who's, who's been able to really pull an angel out of a hat, and he's like, well, close enough. You know, he got to die in front of an angel. <laughs> I don't think he. I don't think Cateus played an angel, and no, he doesn't. No, he plays played, a cop, right? Yeah. yeah. But who? Let's be honest; they're so close to angels, anyway. I mean, they really are, and and he, and they're also like uh, the mm-hmm. produ- executive producer and the producer really kind of came to a stalemate with the director of of that prophecy movie, 
And then uh, one of the director or the director said, um, he's really campaigning hard. And then one of the executive producers says, well, does he get killed by a bottle in any films? <laughs> Is he? And that he, match was instantly checkmate Gregory Wyden. He is. His, we'll talk about his death in this, but it is out of nowhere. Um, you got to, I mean, in a, in a, in a sweet comedy, you got to kill off a handicapped guy. Who doesn't uh, hold a paper bag of bottles on their lap as they're fleeing a pol- the police? Was he going to recycle them? I'm trying to figure out what he was doing with them. I guess I, so, right? I love it. And I also love the fact that he gets killed trying to help Paul Hogan. He also gets killed without even knowing he got killed. He also gets killed. He gets killed by he's protecting Paul Hogan uh, from like getting arrested for a crime Paul Hogan committed. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's okay. So the film starts off in prison. Paul Hogan is obviously a uh, he's a model citizen in there. He everybody loves him. He is a whiz with the electronics, and to the point where he has the kind of like a device that Stephen King would write about. Mm-hmm. You know, you think of like word processor of the gods, that short story. Yes. That's what his remote control is sort of like. It does anything. Yeah. It's like a Swiss, it's like a Swiss army knife, but it with signals and it yeah. can like open and close thing, turn the channels uh, on uh, security cameras, turn the, you know, to, to TV screens. It does everything as long as he points at them. Well, the great thing is he leaves prison and instantly fucks the prison up with his remote control. And, Paul Hogan obviously didn't do his research because I think that would have been a quick Yui for <laughs> Terry Dean, our lead character. Quick Yui, you just fucked the entire prison up with your little button. Why don't you just not even get to the parking lot, my friend? No, in my in my notes I say he <clears throat> he leaves. He he can. It makes it obvious that he could escape at any time because he has control over the of the of the prison. But he has a heart of gold. He's going to do the time he's supposed to do. But when he leaves. He presses a button and he creates like a prison riot. Yep, and just walks away. Yep. One of the things, um, one of the scenes, you know, he's he's obviously working around the prison, um, fixing things. You know, on his last days there, he has a, a you know kind of a heart to heart with his buddies in the prison cafeteria. That, you know, he's leaving. He's getting out soon, and his buddy says to him, "You're the best bust artist." in the business. Yep. Have you heard the term bust artist? I have it. I have it. Um, cause he, I guess he was saying that he can crack any safe, I think is what, maybe yeah. what they're talking about. It doesn't sound like safe cracking to me. Either he's that or he's got a healthy set of lungs on him. If you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, <laughs> he gets out and, 15 minutes into the movie, he has already done some serious costume work. Yeah, it's rivaling, um, what would it say, like an Austin Powers type Mike Myers thing or Eddie Murphy? I think he's an Ethan Hunt, I would say. Or like, uh, it reminded me the most of FX, the movie FX. I think it's it's probably why Teen Beat Magazine dubbed him the Lon Chaney of the 90s. So his idea is that there's security cameras in these banks. He he needs to, even though he wants to go straight, he's broke and he needs money quick. And so he's going to rob a bank. And in order to get around, um, you know, people knowing his physical description, he 
he enters into like a special effects. Like it's like he just he has all the you know the, the makeup tools of like a, a special effects wizard, and he makes himself up like a rock rock and roll stars, right? Like he makes himself up. The first one is Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson, yeah. I mean, he is intricate. It is super intricate, and pass he passes. He passes muster as Willie Nelson. Physically. And he does. He and he, it's trying to. He's trying to be funny, so he he keeps trying to sing like Willie Nelson. Like that he, needs to occur in the bank for them to buy it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and that's where he loses a little bit of the uh, of the sleight of hand of of a, of a master thief is when he's trying to. When you get an Australian guy barely warbling out on the road again, poorly, uh, and then the best <laughs> the best though mm-hmm. is Rod Stewart. It's insane. His nose is insane. His nose is insane. The attempt to at, at, at sounding like him is amazing. And then he plays, he has a boom box and he plays a Rod Stewart song on the way into the band. Oh my God. Yep. So you yep. have Rod Stewart holding a boom yep. box, playing his own song. Yeah. It's like yeah. Jeremy Renner before Jeremy Renner. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, what I thought of. And I think I don't if I'm if I'm not mistaken, he plays the Rod Stewart song they use in the Sure Thing, the uh, John Cusack movie. Mm-hmm. I think that's the song they use. It's the idea here is to be so fantastical and so distracting, you know, to bring celebrity into the mix that it they would never get an inkling of who that really was in the disguise. And it works, right? right? Like it sort of works. Yeah. They, the you police know, eventually do get on to old Terry Dean. Yeah, they do. Do you like you like Rod Stewart? Do you like Rod Stewart as much as Annie Lennox? Does she hate him? She she likes Stuart Rod. What does that mean? Stuart her, Rod, her mate, Dave Stewart of Eurythmics. Did they were they? Did they? Are they a couple? I never oh, knew they went out. Oh yeah, yeah. And guess what else? They sing a song about an angel. So. Put two and two together. I like Rod Stewart. It's such a good question. I kind of do like him. I don't mind him. Yeah. He's still kicking, right? He's still doing it? Yeah, he's still out there. I've I've met four or five women that look just like him. Does he... Who was the model he was married to? Do you do you remember? Yeah, I do. Um, Rachel Hunter? Is that right? You got it. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But they're no longer... They're, that didn't last, right? They're no longer... Yeah, uh, No. No. Mm-hmm. I, I think she upgraded to an older model. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, great stuff. You know, Rod, and then, Stewart, of course, was, Rod Stewart was the Twilight Zone guy. Is that? Yeah. I think it was Golden Earring, actually. Killed it. Um, and then, you know, so he, what happens here? He's he's leaving the scene. You know, there's other people try to bust that, that same gig as uh, Mr. Rod Stewart is in there. And he decides to opt out of his crime. So when, yeah, when Rod Stewart, when uh, Paul Hogan as Rod Stewart, you know, tries to rob the bank. These other real violent criminals barge in with guns and they, they rob it before he gets a chance to, but he hits the ground and these autograph seekers crawl towards him. What do you think of that joke? Oh, I mean, you got to give Paul Hogan some credit. You know, he's a, he's as a wordsmith. Um, he was digging it as deep as he was able, able to mm-hmm. with that, with that shit. But in the what happens, it, we 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 kind of did we not skip a part? Is that in between these two robberies, he saves a child. That's right. From getting hit, mm-hmm. and uh, by a car, and then he gets hit by a car and goes to heaven. Right. 
where he's on a, a hospital bed. Like he's in the hospital, but he's 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 dying. He's or dead. Yeah. He's in the clouds, and God approaches him. Yeah, and who's God? Who's God in this? Chuck Heston. Mm-hmm. Were you surprised to see him? No, no. This is right about where I'd expect to see Charlton Heston in 1990 uh, cameo in a Paul Hogan film mm-hmm. as God. As God. That's and what Thor's from, right? What do you mean? As God. <laughs> and uh, God accuses Paul Hogan of being a scumbag. Love it. But he is getting a second chance to go back to Earth as an almost angel. Right. And to correct um, his wrongs. Yeah. You know, do right by helping out uh, the world. That's the only plan he gets. He doesn't really get much direction. And you're led to believe that this is all in Paul Hogan's mind because in the hospital, touched by an, an angel, or was it Highway to Heaven? Highway Michael Landon show is playing on the TV. And there's a person that's dead next to Paul Hogan. And the nurse is like, he's dead. He's dead. So Paul Hogan in this, like, this haze thinks that he's dead and that, you know, he's in heaven because of the TV. It's all set up as a, you know, so they can bait and switch you at the end, I guess. Yeah. And then, of course, a situation happens after he does the Rod Sewer crime to where he should be shot and he doesn't get shot. Exactly. Well, he gets shot, shot at and it, it like misses him, but it's point blank. And then the criminal in the car is like, I, I shot him point blank and he, he didn't even fall. He didn't even. And that's because his buddy gave him blanks. Right. Because he thought he would fuck up. That's so for the he, audience. That's for the audience's mm-hmm. sake. Yeah. Yeah, and then, and then Paul Hogan thinks he's invincible now. He he's it's confirmed he's an almost angel. Have you ever seen like anything angel like in your life? Is it, you know, does anything angelic ever happen to you? Oh yeah, I once uh, dropped a mallow, like a marshmallow, and uh, my foot caught it before it hit the ground. Kicked it back up. What about you? That sounds more like a Jean Claude Van Damme move than anything. <laughs> Me? You, you asked Angel. <laughs> no, not really. Cool. I thought I could... I, I, when I was a kid, I, I was hoping I could fly. Like, Paul Hogan, a couple times in this movie, flaps his arms like maybe he could fly. Like, those are his wings. Yeah. Um, And I had done that when I was a kid. I, I thought maybe I could... Well, you never know. You never know if you're going to be that guy. Yeah. It seemed like maybe you just had to figure out how to do it. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah, there is that kind of Spider-Man with his power sequence where Paul Hogan's trying to see the limitations of his angelhood, you know. Angelhood's a good good word to use, I think. Yeah. yeah. That would have been a good title for the film, actually. So Paul Hogan now knows since he's been shot but nothing happened to him. He is actually this all happened and he's in, he's been let loose back on earth to do good, so he has to find good to do. And what and is that, it what happens? Well, he starts doing crimes. <laughs> which is what surprised me a little bit. <laughs> well, that's, a, that's what he dresses up as Rod Stewart. Yeah. He also becomes the Bonzo Burger man. And he also, you know, he does, he, he's still a criminal. Right. Well, he goes, okay. So that's what I'm saying. He goes to heaven, comes back, starts doing crimes, but it's not till he gets shot. No, no. After he gets shot, he's the Bonzo Burger Man. He does more, more crime. Absolutely. Are you serious? Yeah, he ends up giving it to the hungry, but he's still committing oh, crimes. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah Here's right. what's okay. funny, though. He's still committing crimes, right? Okay? And after Cinem- he... Cinematic crimes now. Yeah. After he 
after he steals burgers to feed the poor, he goes to a priest, mm-hmm. right? And he gives the priest thousands of dollars, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. I was like, well, maybe just use that money to buy the burgers. <laughs> uh, he didn't. It's not like he had a, a set plan. He was he was scrambling. Like I said, God didn't give him a roadmap. And uh, to be fair, God didn't tell him, "Hey, you can't hold up banks." <laughs> true. You can't, true. You can't mug. You can't. You don't have like you can't mug old ladies. Like he doesn't. He didn't give him any direction. Yeah, you don't call. You don't call uh, a thief a scumbag in heaven without some repercussions. It's one of the. That's in the Bible, I believe. So, <clears throat> shortly after the Bonzo Burger Man case, which of course features one of Hogan's as a writer, one of Hogan's hugest jokes. Okay. Where the girl newscaster says, "We have a description of him," and then she proceeds to put the burger uh, container over her head. Yeah, because that's what he used to hold up the store. Yeah, huge, huge joke, cutting edge. Good. It's lighthearted. He whipped his Australian dick out with that one. I like it. Uh, and then we meet, you know, he's at a bar and he meets <clears throat> our favorite, Mr. Elias Coteus, um, playing a man in a wheelchair with some beautiful hair, um, who's being a dick. He's being a dick because uh, he's, you know, he's sad about his life and he's taking out on other people. And Paul Hogan has a sitting fight with him, which I think is wonderful. They have a, sit- they have a sitting fist fight. It is wonderful. First of all, he says the line to him. He says, I see a man in a wheelchair acting like a jerk in a wheelchair. And that's what that's what turns him. That's when it all mm-hmm. seeps into Elias. And he's like, you know what? This is a kindred spirit. Let's have a drink. I love this person. You know, yeah, so. well, he likes because he's been he's been cranky in this bar and everybody's been letting him be cranky and a jerk because he has a disability. Paul Hogan's not like that. And they become fast friends. Fast as fuck. Mm-hmm. And uh, and did you notice the movie marquees they walked past on their way out of the old bar? The Godfather. Okay. Steel Magnolias. Yep. And? Dick Tracy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Did you notice the name of the photo studio? I, I saw it. They have a big close above it, but I don't remember what it was. The Dale Crockett Studio. Nice. It's not bad. They, it looked like they did some nice portraiture there. Yeah. Is that what they call it? Yeah. Yeah, so I love I love seeing that Dick Tracy. I imagine I imagine Coteus, Paul Hogan going back the next day, getting a little buddy picture in there together. Yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying. Yep. At one at one point, you never thought this would happen. But Paul Hogan is riding on Elias Coteus's that uh, is lap. much later in the in the film. But, but yeah. you know, it it does happen. It's it's insane. They 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 play it like ET and Elliot on the bike. <sighs> And they are zooming down the street. They are moving it, and and they they are selling this as a as a uh, feel good movie moment. Um, and then you see that it's Paul Hogan and Elias Coteus on a fucking wheelchair. <laughs> going to take <laughs> a lot going, more. <laughs> they look like they're going about fifty five miles per hour down that road. Yeah, like yeah. it is scary times. All right, so yeah, they go home. So you know, uh, Elias invites. Paul, I go by their first names. He said, "Stay with me if you have no place to stay. Stay in my house." Yep, and he does. Well, it he does because first of all, he's a fucking thief. He's got nothing else going on, Mm-mm. but also because that's where his mate lives. You know, well, that's what he meant. His real life mate, his real life mate, and his his supposed future mate 
in in the storyline. They're setting them up to be a love interest there, and his and, and his girlfriend and love interest in Crocodile Dundee. Right, Linda Kozlowski. This is their first, their third film together, and mm-hmm. I love how they try to give her a different look. They try to make her a little frumpy in this with the big mm-hmm. glasses and the big sweater. And all. Mm-hmm. Yep, doesn't it's work. Like, yeah. It doesn't work. Yeah, she's a sweetie. She's a, she's a darn cutie. Yeah, and and uh, you know what's funny is uh, he's a step ahead of everybody in this mm-hmm. shit um, because at the breakfast table the next morning, a huge truth bomb is dropped. Uh, an axe murderer, an axe murderer can read, <laughs> and then Paul Hogan comes in and uses that charm you were mentioning to pretend he was an axe murderer. Adorable well, angel humor. It's very funny. It's so, he, you know, Elias Coteus, Coteus. How am I saying it wrong? Right, Coteus. Yeah. So he lives at home with his sister, in this uh, lives in a place with his sister and his mom. Right. And they're complaining that, you know, you know, Elias Coteus, Coteus brought this drunk home. Yeah. And they're like, oh, my God, you brought a drunk home. This sucks, basically. Yeah. And then Hogan strolls and he overhears all this. This is what Nick's talking about. And he, he you know, he 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 breaks the tension. Yeah. But what's happening as he's breaking the tension? I bet you didn't write this down. He's getting a huge dick boner. Elias Cateus is going to town on a melon slice. <laughs> he is eating it to the rind. Like, and you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. just scraping his teeth, getting the, the thinnest. The, there's no more meat on that, on that melon when he's yeah. through just yeah. the skin. And I was like, man, he is doing a number on that. Yeah. And it's a cantaloupe, Nick. I think he really likes, I wonder if the actor, what if, he hates cantaloupe in real life, but that's how good of an actor he is. I wouldn't be surprised, honestly. Or what if they just made a fake melon up for him to eat because he can't stand cantaloupe? Or yeah, it's like what? What if um, it's orange ice cream? What if it? <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. Go ahead. What if they what? No, but if you also notice on the table while they were having breakfast, there was a Weekly World News, and it says cantaloupe cures legs. <laughs> You didn't see that, but cure <laughs> legs. Yeah, cures legs. So it's, um, a, home, it's a home remedy. He's, he's a believer. You know what's funny? Here, here's let me let me let me let me just pump the brakes for a second. Yeah, okay. this movie Please is uh, the, the, so they're trying to rescue. They're trying to help uh, impoverished kids. That's like one of the big subplots of this movie: mm-hmm. getting funding to save the poor kids and inf- kids with troubles and all that. Mm-hmm. He's an angel. There's a whole spiritual element to it. The Bible's quoted and a bunch of shit. Yet he's a thief. There's a lot of cursing in this movie. And a guy gets murdered by a bottle. Who the fuck is this movie for? <laughs> well, what do you mean there's a lot of cursing? I didn't hear a lot they of cursing. They say shit a lot in this movie. Do they really? Yeah, a lot. For a for a sweet movie. That's how cool I am. I just don't even hear it anymore. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's just like a, It's just like the word the to me. You know? Yeah, well, you're 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 kind of you got you kind of got some swag. Um, hey, what what, yeah. what video game does he repair? I mean, Space Invaders. Of no, course. he does not. What do you mean? Deluxe Space Invaders. Oh, you mother! 
you motherfucker. <laughs> you did a serious zoom. I did not know that. In fact, all the trivia even says Space Invaders. No, it's it's deluxe Space Invaders. Because it's, clue, because it's in color. Oh, fair enough. Here is it was Space Invaders was, was monochrome. Uh, by the way, give the listeners a second to pick their mouths up. All right, we're good. I did read the trivia for this movie. My wife left me today, by the way. <laughs> it's like three It's like three things. She looked at, over my shoulder at the computer screen and packed her bags. <laughs> <laughs> Frankly, I'm surprised it's taken this long. I try to put porn up real quick before she can see it, but... Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so... Yeah, Nick Net did mention that they they there's like a boy and boys and girls club that um Elias Kateas and uh his sister. Uh I'm not gonna be able to say either of their names the rest of the show. Like Kozlowski. Kozlowski. Yeah. yeah. They run together. Um and you know, Paul Hogan's like, you know, how can I help? You know, how can I help? And he the what he can how he can help is flirt with the sis. Yeah. And then uh <clears throat> keep doing kind of weird tricks. Yeah. Cheat like cheating people into think something great's happening and he's faking it all. Yeah. It's great. Like but he busts up a drug dealer drill deal at one point. That's, that's an insane scene. It's a uh, nightmare. scene. The, I've never seen people hold a gun worse. Um, yes, you have. But, but leading into that scene is something uh, I was staggered. Okay. I never thought in this gracious life that I've been given that I would be given the opportunity to watch the intense as fuck actor Elias Koteas repairing a ping pong paddle. <laughs> he regrips a ping pong paddle in real time in this movie. <laughs> there is something else that's startling that they just gloss over in this. What's that? So this space that they have for this boys and girls club with space invaders in it that Paul Hogan repairs like it's it's a busted machine he has no problem of course he's going to be able to repair that bad boy right and that's why he's helping out at first uh you know you're seeing you see like a weight bench in the back um you see you know there's a ping pong table obviously that they don't show but in the middle of this small cramped space there is an indoor trampoline oh that's a huge trampoline how did they not use it in the film how did they not? How did they not show every kid in that place with the arm cast? <laughs> <laughs> There's no pads around it or anything. It's just sitting in front of the desk. I thought it was a neat twist that the, Hogan asked Elias how he got into the wheelchair, and he nods towards the trampoline. <laughs> well, we do find out how he got in the wheelchair, which is a little uh, th- threw me. It's a little sad and weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He has a tumor in his spine or something. His spinal and it's inoperable. Yep. And it is uh, terminal. He is on the way. He out. is dying. He yeah. is dying. And, and that's why his sister, who is very successful in the quote unquote city, mm-hmm. you don't know what as. I think maybe it was a little air or something. That city's Los Angeles, by the way. She came home to help uh, him deal with his depression and kind of just be there for him, which is sweet. Um, she does hit him in the face of the basketball at one point. Of course. Maybe not. That's not as sweet, but he takes it like a champ. Yeah. Yeah. Um, during that scene where they, they take out those drug dealers. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. They're who are dealing in front of this boys and girls club. Paul Hogan mm-hmm. tries to pretend he is a, a mafioso. 
Right. Of course. Talking into a walkie-talkie. Mm-hmm. You don't hear the under, other end of the conversation, which is physically impossible with a walkie-talkie. You have to hear the other end of the conversation. And these knuckleheads fall for it. He's well, talking about the consigliere. He's talking about all sorts of weird shit. It is... In and, an Australian accent. In an Australian accent. And and then, of course, they have to try to play the first, the illegal amount of musical cues from The Godfather without playing the score for The Godfather. Yeah. Do we Have we ever seen Paul Hogan in a serious role? Have we ever seen him trot out those dramatic chops like yeah. on screen? Like, tell me yeah. some... Phantom Thread? <laughs> yeah. Wasn't that him? I know he was Anderson's oh. first choice. I don't know. <laughs> Did it happen? <laughs> Can you imagine seeing him if, if Tarantino got a hold of him? That, that's not the same. <laughs> I'm Paul Hagen. Hey, so you want to talk about Tom Hagen was the consigliere in The Godfather. Boom. Nailed it. It's super, nice. Super nailed. So he think, uh Okay, what do you think about his stiff ass jeans? It, required, his, obviously. Executive produced uh executive producer requirement on Paul Hogan. His stiff as hell, stiff as hell jeans with the tiny belt waist up high. The funny thing is, he still cuts a nice figure, Mr. Paul Hogan. He's black a, jeans? Black jeans? No, denim and and at one point he has ripped jeans that are ripped in the back down the leg, which I've never seen before. Was there any attempt to do any like uh, safety pins on that, on that slash or on that, on that tear? That would have been solid. No, there was, there were, there was like dozens of shreds all the way down his leg. It was, it was the opposite of getting me hard. (laughs) Paul Hogan is an 81 year old man at this point. I think he hasn't acted for a while. No longer married to his co-star in these films. Um, was that a love you thought would last, Nick? No. No. I called it. Yeah, I called that one. You're way less romantic than myself. Yeah. You mm. want you want a dream. But the thing is, you know, a lot of people sleep to the top. You know, <laughs> it happens in Hollywood. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, but you... But you can't sleep to the bottom and stay there, right? Mm-hmm. So he jumped off that train. <laughs> she hooked. I guess she did hook up with her co-star. I get. Yeah, wait, I, but she. I think she's kind of a good actress. Would, would she in movies without him? I don't remember her. She has to be. Yeah, she has to be. And I, I've mentioned this before. Uh, the super zoom. I'll mention it again with a little bit more detail. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a fellow that I grew up with. Uh, who was a, a waiter at the restaurant I worked at, who was very close friends with my family, who actually acted in quite a few of my early home movies, dated her as a young man in, in high school, dated her ass. They they were uh, high school uh, in high school together. Yeah. And they dated and he was, he, he would bring it up all the time. Like the one that got away who was in Crocodile Dundee. Well, I mean, you know who she was. I, I mean, felt, that's a- I felt kind of bad for him for a while because we were good friends. He's a nice guy, but now he trolls my Facebook with uh, Trump stuff. So I'm, I'm cool. I'm cool. <laughs> a life well lived. <laughs> uh, um, lost, lost, uh, lost. Kozlowski lost his mind. 
Yeah, well, yeah. something. Okay, so let's go to the fucking the best scene in the movie. The the, the, the what, what would be the heat gunfight of this? You're show? gonna have to be more specific. <laughs> <laughs> I think I got it. I think when I said the heat gunfight of this movie, I think we all know what we're talking about. Are you talking about the wheelchair chase? I am talking about under the bed while the old people talk. Well, Nick, <laughs> I have to agree with you. <laughs> He concocts a plan to win the heart of Linda Cosler, but he already did that. He already know, he already wooed her in real life, but he's trying to woo her in the movie. He's going to get these old ass rich people that doesn't have really the time of day to donate their money to the boys and girls club. He's going to make it so they do. Yeah, and he concocts a plan involving. Technology and his little razor, whatever he has, his remote control razor. Is it a shaving? Is it a is it, it electric razor? Yeah, absolutely is. <laughs> and he uh, he breaks into their house, and he he just he walks into that place like he owns it. That's another name they could have used for this movie. What Gillette, the right one in. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> and he walks in and he, uh, you know, he's in, uh, theft garb, thief garb. Yeah. yeah. He's got the, the black cap. Oh yeah. The like, yeah. yeah crook one Oh one hat. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Skull cap. And he, so his idea was that they, they splice together this local preacher who has like a TV show and he, and he, the preacher, uh, he's going to like remote control this thing onto these people's TV, wake them up with it. And the preacher's going to tell them to donate money to children. <sighs> he does this while hiding under their bed. <laughs> and I have a huge zoom for in you. plain sight, by the way, if they, if they got it to investigate at all, yeah, they would see him. Absolutely. So what's your super zoom? Did you see the headboard? Of their bed. No, I was too busy looking at them bodies. It is. I would say it is 10 feet tall. The headboard. <laughs> it is gigantic. I've never seen a headboard like <laughs> larger than it is wide, like taller than it is wide. You know what I'm saying? It is huge. And it distracted me. So I bet, you know, as ex executive producer, they kept tromping up and showing up, showing up with these big ass headboards. And, and Hogan's like, nope, nope, that's not a headboard. And then these guys come back. This one's seven feet tall. Nope. Get your ass out. Took them 16 tries. And finally, what they had to do was get Andre the Giant to donate his headboard. And that's it why run a blacklight. It's huge. So anyway, it works. Whatever his grift works. Yeah. And the old people go, well, I guess. He, and so then he waits for them to go back to sleep. But guess what happens? Tell us. The old woman propositions her husband by saying, let me, I wrote it down. I wrote it down too. You want to ride the wild, play ride the wild horse. Do you want, do you feel like playing ride the wild horse? <clears throat> and the husband says, not tonight. <laughs> his and, back is bothering him. And that is the most angelic we've seen Paul Hogan when she when he turns her ass down. <laughs> I mean, if you're really going for the comedy yeah. and this I guess it's, then they do have sex and he has to stay in there as no, punishment. Be great if if you don't see any of the act, you just see Ho it's a close up on Hogan the whole time, right? 
And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden a studded like handcuff like falls down. It's like dangling in the frame and then like a little whip. And then just like pints and pints of semen drip down onto him. Or he like they just cut to him leaving with his head down and he walks straight uh, to the bathroom of the boys and girls club and slits his wrists. <laughs> and that, and, that and God's like, you, you're already dead, but I'm going to let this, I'm going to let this happen anyway. <laughs> no, I like the idea of that's how he finds out he's really an angel is it cuts through his wrists like, like thin air. And he's like, Oh, I am an angel. And he found out by trying to kill himself because he because he smelled old people fucking but they don't like that that they i guess they he thought that this was that would be a bridge too far if they had like a old people sex joke in this i mean that actually was i'm disappointed and so this is what's terrifying uh he leaves Mm -hmm. this house after this act and elias Cortez is waiting outside for him in his little cute wheelchair Mm-hmm. And then there's a scene where a car is coming and they dive behind a bush, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I cannot believe what, what, what happens next. Elias Coteus and his wheelchair are on top of Paul Hogan. And he compares it to being in Vietnam. <laughs> <laughs> now, I don't think that was Paul's intent. Right. But he equates gently resting on Paul Hogan to Vietnam, mm-hmm. which is why this movie must be seen. And then, the, does, and then their wheelchair ride happens. Yeah. So he, at first Paul Hogan was pushing Kataeus, like, you know, cause they're just leaving and talking and then they cut to them uh, <laughs> <laughs> speeding down the street. Paul Hogan is in the lap, the dead lap of Elias Kataeus. Um, <laughs> so the absolute dead lap. <laughs> but I swear to God, Paul Hogan thinks this is like the climax of breaking away. I mean, I do think it's kind of cute. They look cute together. It looks dangerous. They're in the middle of the street. And it looks like a highway. It's almost like not highway, but like, you know, like a road. There's not many houses around. I mean, they're. They're traveling. Well, how far away are they? <laughs> Maybe 10 miles away? I don't know. <sighs> so, uh, and this is another movie that, that it, this part cracked me up too, is that Paul Hogan, this this thing worked. The grift worked. The old man is going to donate money. But Paul Hogan, they need more they need more minutes for the movie. So he's like, I just got to ensure this. And so he rigs the cross uh to the church across the street from the club, he rigs it to light up and concocts a crazy story. But you know how he does it is like, like anybody would, he throws a grappling hook. Of course he does (laughs) uh, around the cross and climbs up and almost dies for this. I guess he doesn't almost die, but it looks like he almost dies for, um, to, to do this little trick and, you know, to ensure that this old man will be convinced to do this, to go ahead and give money. I don't feel like I'm explaining it right. You didn't. Yeah. But it is Paul Hogan on a fucking steeple, which bucket <laughs> list item scratched off right there. I mean, Jesus Christ. 
That's another thing. Paul Hogan keeps almost saying Jesus Christ in the in this and oh, apologize. Yeah. yeah, the joke don't work. Yeah, he tries. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then of course, you know what happens is he uh, he's trying to help these kids, you know, understand, and he uh, he he looks to the Bible. He looks to the Bible. Mm-hmm. He tells a story about cutting kids in half. He does like cutting a baby in half. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did, did did he? Uh, is that is that good? I've heard that. I've heard that before for that tale. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is, is that what, that's why this film, what does it want? What is it doing? I don't understand what's happening to me. Like I say, it coasts, it coasts on the lap of Elias Coteus, but also coasts on the charms of Paul Hogan. There's not, yeah, there's not much going on. It's just kind of good natured and sweet in a weird way. Yeah. Um, Did you get tired of watching him take his watch off? Does he do that a lot? He does it three times at least in this movie. No, I didn't notice. He spends a lot of time taking that watch off in this film. Yeah. Takes it off before every fist fight. And then he takes it off for something else. I don't remember, but I was like, come on, man, Paul, is this? Oh, you're right. Yeah. To get ready for fights. Yeah. But he also does it later on in the movie for a different reason. And it just, it just blows my mind. It blows my mind. It's like, this is his. T- is this his ca- a character decision? Is well, it? Yeah, it's always. It's showing that he's always preparing that he's going to grapple with other folks, and he wants to protect his watch. I guess not exactly a smart watch, Paul Hogan. That's right. But maybe it's worth something to him. You know. Yeah. Has some sentimental value. Um, <clears throat> there's a guy. It, we talked about that drug scene when he breaks up the drug bus, but you know he he kicks one of the guys in the balls. He does. I think. And that guy spends the rest of his scene like he's sitting down rubbing his balls that hurt. And he's wearing those giant Paul Abdul pants while he does. That's and uh do you think that went on the old resume? Yeah. <laughs> Ball rubber and almost that, an angel. You know what blew me away? His partner had an amazing nose. Yeah. He had a big old beak. Mm-hmm. And it gets hit. Yeah, he, he they they get roughed up these guys. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good shit. Do you, what did you th- make of the scene when the mom, who doesn't get much to do in this, but <laughs> approaches Paul Hogan about um, courting her daughter? During what activity? I, is she watering plants, gardening? She's hanging laundry. Is she? Thing. Same thing. It, yeah, it reeks of, oh, shit, we need to throw mom into, into a scene. You know. She, that's when she says that she kind of reveals all the stuff that's happening, why the sister moved back, and what's really happening with her son. But really, the goal here is that she wants Terry to um, take her daughter on a date, and and she and she hopes, really for real, that it leads to sex. Like yeah. she's yeah, she's really encouraging that. Yeah. And Paul Hogan's like, I don't, I don't think she'd be interested in a little old me. And the mom's like, she'd definitely be interested. I know she's like, she's drier than a barrister's wit. <laughs> And and so he does. That's a, he's he's he. And you know that woman, the mother's played by Doreen Lang, who you might remember from the Birds. I don't. And she, uh, until this movie, that would that she said that was the best movie she had been in. <laughs> I like I like that she's trying to get them to fuck. Uh, but okay, but obviously the plot is propelling forward at an astronomical rate. The cops, including David Allen Greer, you know. Mm-hmm trying so hard to be funny and cute in this movie. He's always funny. You don't like David Ongar? He's fine. He's fine. But he, mm-hmm. this is before he was 
David Allen Greer, pretty much. Yeah, you're very young, yeah. youthful looking David Allen Greer. It's funny. It's trying to catch some some eyes. I guess it worked. Um, but the cops are on to Terry. And by the way, <laughs> can I just say that his name is Terry? Which is that's almost that's almost writes itself. That's almost funny enough to make me happy. And and his last name? Uh, his name is Terry Dean. He, he cracks. A, there's a joke about uh, his uh, about the Italians uh, as those two thugs are leaving the scene of getting their asses kicked, and they and they say Dean Martin, uh, like they oh, oh. yeah, because they're saying that Dean's not an Italian last name. And he says Dean Martin, which is funny. Be funny if he said Lauren Dean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then so Mr. Cateus overhears the cops in the bar. And, and tries to escape, and there's this chase scene, which is a miracle. There, there is a scene where he is chased through a pipe in his wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And then there's a scene where this this guy is sabotaged by a crate, but unfortunately, it's at this moment where his mortality is is uh, set set to rights. Well, so the whole scene is played kind of fun, like he's trying to get away in a wheelchair, and uh, I mean, obviously, he's skilled, but he's still there's no way he's going to outrun this guy or out pursue this guy, but it still works. And like Nick said, he goes through this big pipe. The guy has to duck to go through it. He goes down some stairs and a wheelchair. These hu- oh huge God, sort of stairs. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which, which a stuntman really went down on a wheelchair. It looks like yeah, you can see him at the end of hitting the bottom. He has to grab that wheel to kind of keep from falling over. And yeah. And so then they have a couple scenes and they kind of played that. It's kind of funny. But the end, Terry has a for some reason the whole time he's holding these a bag of bottles on his lap, and one of them <laughs> shatters and stabs his like his femoral artery or whatever, <laughs> and he's grievously wounded. While the other cop uh, knocks himself silly and kind of gives up, yeah, and he starts to wa- kind of raggedly ride, or raggedly uh, wheel his way home. And by the way completely innocent there's he's not a he's not guilty of anything in this world he's running from the cops because he doesn't Mm -hmm. want them to question him i guess about paul hogan right he probably could have gotten through that he probably could have gotten through that situation but or he could have just killed or he could he he could have said yeah uh i did meet him but he's he doesn't stay with me he doesn't live with me and he doesn't live with me and my sister at all and he never volunteered where i work he yeah. left. Oh, his name's Terry Dean. I never even got his name. Yeah. But instead he's like, you know what? I'm going to try to outrun this dude. He's like, I mean, they might, I'm a handicapped individual. Maybe they'll trust me, you know, feel bad. And you know, I could just say, no, I mean, I met him. He's a nice guy. Yeah. And then instead he slaughters himself with a piece of a bottle and he makes it home. It ruins the date that Paul Hogan's well, going on. It ruins more than that. Yeah, for sure. But it's so funny because they keep cutting to him all sad with his leg bleeding uh, just fighting at home. Like I, I think the intent was to make that feel like some sort of important pilgrimage for him to wheel himself home. Mm-hmm. Could, you know, there's cops, there's bus. You know, he could have gone to the bus stop. You know, he could have. You know. So the weirdest piece of trivia I read about this movie is that they wanted Paul Hogan for Ghost. Yes, I read that too. And then he All wanted right. Pat Swayze for this. He wanted Pat Swayze for this part. I think I can imagine Patrick Swayze in this this part, and I think he would have done well. Yeah, but Kateus is great in this. He gets a really like sad scene at the end where he's he's scared to die. It's such a weird. It's such a weird. Why why is it happening in this film? But 
he, you know, Paul Hogan is leading him to towards salvation, you know, saying that I've seen after this isn't it. I've seen afterwards. It, you'll, this is just the beginning. By the way, flying through yeah. Line, well, he, he's not. Yeah, is he? But then he does do that trick with the light up cross that he had that for he him. He's yeah. a dying man. He's, he does deceive a dying man. Uh, but, you know, I think that's relatable. Uh, and, sure. uh, and this is where it all kind of comes home where. Uh, In the meantime, though, uh, his sister had gone into the uh, building to call the police. And it's this is like a 10 minute scene. Uh, they call the uh, ambulance. She never comes out during this monologue or these, this, right. this exchange. And then the ambulance doesn't show up for like 10 minutes. Like the ambulance doesn't show up until Paul Hogan has just left the scene. But you would think the sister would be like, can you call the police as I would like to be with my dying brother? <laughs> exactly. Well, she, she's like doing actual, she's taking matters into her own hand and hands. But the, the funniest thing after, um, you know, dies, um, the the ambulance they arrive the ambulance arrives they put him on a stretcher and immediately cover him with a blanket they don't even yeah. well and I love the fact that uh, Elias guy's dead method actor mm-hmm. can you imagine a universe where he says no I'm doing my own stunts and he got crippled for real falling down those stairs and we don't get fallen yeah um, yeah so well, the- let's talk let's talk a little bit about him. Like what stuff do you like love him in? Because he has been in so much stuff. I mean, he was in he's Exotica and uh, you know Fallen and and he's good in everything. He's literally good in everything. He was in that Sarchi movie, but the thing is, mm-hmm. just one of those intense great actors. Um, he's been on TV a lot lately. Yeah, he was in that third the third season of The Killing, I think, or the four. I don't. Know, he's in one of the seasons of The Killing, and he was good in that. But yeah, he's always good, super reliable, very intense actor. Super intense. and uh, really cares about the craft of acting. Like if you read interviews with him, he's always uh, very, like I said, very hard on himself. But I just don't ever think I've seen him in a movie where he's been bad. Like he he started out like in remember he was in some kind of wonderful. Like that's yeah. how long he's been around. It was yeah. Vision Quest. Maybe it Maybe. was wonderful. Maybe it was. He's in Gardens of Stone. Like he's just been around and all. Yeah. I'm glad that people really like he was in. Um, uh, Scorsese's uh, Shutter Island, right? So I glad I'm glad that people caught on and you know want to work with him because he's great. Yeah. And this is what's this is why this movie. Uh, so this and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, so dig this. Um, this blew my mind. Um, so Terry leaves. He has to get he has to get out of Dodge. You know, get away from the cops. Mm-hmm. It's his special remote control with Linda Kozlowski. And there's a you know, and then there's a scene there where that. You know, she, she, you know, there's like a sixth sense scene, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. where the, her dead brother has been taken away. She was not invited, I guess, for the ride. Um, she's just sitting there alone in the parking lot. She looks at this thing, and there's this big reveal about it not having batteries in it. Yeah. But if you look, and I did, I, I kind of paused and look, there's a button on it that says stop leg bleeding. <laughs> it's like, well, she, then she chases after him to tell him that he performed a miracle. Like he didn't know, but he performed a miracle, and she goes, "Hey!" And he falls off a Harry. <laughs> he falls off. He falls off <laughs> into the path of a truck. Yeah, I just love the fact that she screams, "Terry!" And he falls off a cliff. So she almost—what if he wasn't an angel? Like that's—that's that's a fucking 
Well, so then you know at this point that he's not, that you don't think he is, and he a truck is about to hit him, and it goes through him. So then the whole time he was an angel. It's such a strange movie. One thing I don't, I didn't tell you that I wrote down, in that scene, that there's that wheelchair chase, and it has, it's pretty goofy. At one point, a black cat goes in front of Kateas, like in front of his wheelchair, like runs out in front. Which I thought was cute because it's like, you know, it's bad luck. Yeah. But then he destroys himself with glass. Yeah. And dies. Yeah. So that black cat was for real. Serious. You say after the credits? No. They show them booking that cat. <laughs> mugshot. Yeah. Little mugshot of that cat. Yeah. So that's how it freezes on that. And then it goes to, you know, the end you know, production credits. Um you know, it's funny. You're talking about looking at the trivia on, on Wikipedia. They drop a super bomb on. The, okay. Uh, just one quote. It says this film was a critical and commercial failure. <laughs> it was a critical failure too. huh? Yeah. It's a shame. I guess they didn't watch it with the same optimism that we do. You know, I wonder if, wonder if uh, Rex Reed liked it. Yeah. I wonder who liked it. One of, some, one of the Jeffrey Lyons, one of those guys had to have liked it. Yeah. One of those old school critics. Yeah. Like, Ebert and Siskel were like furiously no, debating, debating over it. And then Gene drops a super bomb. He's like, by the way, did you see the part where he gets killed by bottles? And then, <laughs> and then uh, Ebert relented to blowing thumbs up. Well, it doesn't have it though. There's only one quote on the poster. What's that? Perfect. Michael Med, <laughs> Michael Medved. <laughs> Um, anyway, yeah, so yeah, he's an angel and they set it up for a sequel. Uh, now, why well, don't I understand why he's leaving? Like, why is he leaving at the end? What, where's he going? He, he's just like, I gotta go. That's what he tells you. Think he'd stay to console her, but he's like, I gotta go. Well, Your I mean, brother just died. Bye. I mean, the one thing I'll say about Hogan is he he's a, he did a lot of research into this, a lot of Joseph Campbell, you know, and stuff like that, you know, and he felt like the hero's journey was complete, like he'd killed a handicapped guy with a bottle. So he's like, well, let me move on to my next adventure, you know, or maybe I'm, maybe I've, I've proven my worth to God by absolutely accomplishing zero, you know? <laughs> so it's an iron, Nick, it's an iron bark films production. What other iron bark films do you like? Oh my God. Are you kidding? Uh, I'm not kidding. No, I'm asking a serious question here. Probably, you know, Invictus, you know, yeah. Trying for the spirit, you know. Hundreds of people worked on this film. Hundreds, yeah. And they were all this effort to go into uh, scenes where Paul Hogan enters a bank as Rod Stewart. Yeah. Well, the reality <laughs> of it is, is while you're waiting for the good jobs, you take what's available, right? I mean, like, yeah. You you can't when you got to put food on the table, you can't you know turn shit like this down. Plus, you know, he was an a, he was a, a barely an A-list star almost. So he was almost there. He was almost an A-list, you know? So, I mean, I get it. They're like, hey, you know, Crocodile i I'm in his new movie. And they're like, Whew. I'm trying to look um, to see who was the cinematographer because to see what else they've done. I want to see anybody made it off this. I think it was Laszlo Kovacs, right? Or maybe Caleb Deschanel, uh, somebody. The director was the guy who, he was like a, for friend and producer of Paul Hogan. So yeah, that's not the right Avenue to go down. Um, 
is directed by John Cornell, by the way. Yeah. We, we didn't say that before. Um, but I know you guys are completists. You want to know this info. Um, <clears throat> cinematography. Cinematography by Russell Boyd. Oh, good. Good stuff. You know him? No. But I'm sure he did a horror movie at some point. Same cinematographer as Master and Commander. <laughs> <laughs> So, do you think that on that movie he was like, "Fuck, man, I wish I was on the set of Almost an Angel." Yeah. So I also did also did uh, American Outlaws, Tin Cup. You might remember Forever Young. Yeah, Mel Gibson. You know, uh, when he dies, let's hope it's not soon. Uh, the in memoriam at the Oscars is going to have a picture of him on the set sweating bullets on the phone with his agent. That's the photo they're going to use. Yeah. He's, I think he also got a start. He did. He, I think he's a cinematographer on crocodile Dundee. So this, this guy, he came up with Paul Hogan. Yeah. But you know what? He, he got off the bus. He got off the bus at some point, started slumming it with Peter Weir. Mm-hmm. Also. Now, yeah. That's what I'm thinking. There's an Australian connection there. I think with, um, I don't know. Was Paul Hogan in Master and Commander? I can't remember. <laughs> Once again, I wish for a reality where this were true. Or if they had made the rest of the books in that series, we could have perhaps seen him as a, a seafaring individual. You know, it, it is too bad they did not make more of those films because that is a great movie. It's I a think. wonderful, almost perfect movie that um, people suck. Uh, they don't go see. You know, now it's obviously found its audience. Hey, you know what? It's time to do the work, man. We got to get in there. It's we we've done everything there can be done about almost an angel. Do you, would you recommend this one for quarantine watch, Nick? Or I wouldn't, but it's cute in a way. It's where did you watch it? Where did you see it? I watched it in my here. I watched it here on the on the TV. How did you watch it? Where where did you get it? Amazon Prime. Oh, I didn't didn't watch it there. Oh, uh, where'd you watch it? Um, I have this all angel movie streaming platform <laughs> called Angelic. Um, that's where I watched it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You should have torrented it. <laughs> so, uh, you, you're at the tattoo parlor. Mm-hmm. That needle is a worin, and he is looking at you impatiently, uh, saying, dude, I, I, I gotta fucking be at a, you know, I got to be at my chick's place. What do you want? There's only one image that I would forever tattoo on my, my, uh, not forever skin. Okay. Uh, the image of Alaska Teus in a wheelchair with Paul Hogan on his lap. I would put that on my arm, like my bicep, uh-huh. but I'd also ask the tattoo artist, to put me in Paul Hogan's lap. <laughs> so you're both in it. Wait, you're so the, there's a three, a threesome. Exactly. Oh my God. Yes. That's so sweet. Yeah. And Paul Hogan in the middle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you ever used to play that game as a kid Hogan in the middle? So that's what I would do. How about you? What would mine would be similar. I would have the recently deceased form of Elias Coteus, uh on my, on my bicep. You mean the brother? 
Not he's Lascate is still still yeah. kicking. No, I'm saying yeah, the character in the movie, his de- recently deceased form, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I would beef up. I'd work out a lot so that when I flexed, it looked like he had a like a little twitch of life in him. You know, so when I would flex, it would look like he's having a like either either a death shudder or maybe like a, the last spark of life, and then he'd resume being dead. Well, people convince themselves to exercise for different reasons. <laughs> Yeah. So I want to lose weight. <laughs> so I want to make a, a dead handicapped person twitch. <laughs> His name in this is Steve. Yeah, of course. Yeah, her name is Rose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they just, even though the film cost uh, 25 and gross seven, somehow they've decided to make a sequel to it. And they've given you the keys to the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Where do you go? Oh, man. So the movie's called Almost an Angel. You think it would just, the next one would just be Angel, like full Angel. Right. <laughs> All Angel. Yeah. Yeah. But I my sequel would be not quite 100% Angel. <laughs> um. And I guess that, I mean, now thinking about it, it's just a stupid Zoom, but almost an angel stands for, he's not quite an angel, but in real life, he isn't either. Like, he's a right. he's a, a ex-con with a heart of gold. So would yours be called, like, pube shy of angel? But I'm trying to think, what would be a good sequel? Um, he's Now he's 100% angel almost. Like, he's so close. 99% angel. You know, and he... Is laying low because he's convinced that he's going to be for, he's going to be arrested for the murder of his <laughs> character, and he actually has surgery to look like Rod Stewart, like plastic surgery to like look it. like Rod Stewart. Yeah, because he's so convinced that he's going to end back up in prison that his worst nightmare. And so then it turns into this crazy comedy where the real Rod Stewart's in it. You know, yeah. And it's like, who's who? Right. You know, all of a sudden Rod Stewart's in jail and Paul Hogan's on stage singing his songs, that kind of thing. Do you know? Mm-hmm. Like a body swap. It's like a identity swap yeah. comedy. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. It's like, and Freak, then it's like Freaky Friday meets Crazy Heart or some shit. And at the end, uh, Linda calls her character gets killed by a bottle. <laughs> I thought it was a statement about alcoholism, but no, she's killed by a shard. Do you think, do you think that, do you think that he was recycling those bottles or is he getting to to go? That's why every trash can says recycling is dangerous. (laughs) I just was, he getting to go drinks from the bar and like what was happening? You know, like I think he would, why do you have those bags? I was thinking he was collecting bottles so that he can return them to make some money to help the poor kids. But instead the bottles murdered him. Yeah, they they burnt him out of that film, Nick. Yeah. Uh, go so, ahead. So, what was what's so your sequel? Idea? My idea is that this whole the, there's this whole he wants to build a franchise of the quote unquote almost series, right? So each film he's a different like special being, right? Right. So you know a lot of people would do like almost the devil next, or maybe like almost a mermaid or whatever it is. But I'm going straight to the end game. Mm-hmm. So picture this, Paul Hogan. Wind, wind swept face like snow piercing his piercing eyes through snow. He's standing there in a parka, almost a Wendigo. 
Oh, yeah. Not quite though. So because he 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 he's, he's he thinks he becomes uh, like a mountain spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's he gets sides he gets smacked in the face by like this giant beast, and then he wakes up and the beast is sitting there around, you know, telling him, "Hey, I got mm-hmm. you, I got this," you know. And then with subtitles, and then he's 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 Roman almost a Wendigo, and the Inuits and all that they're fucking furious with him. And well, I I think you'd have to. I mean, I, this is logical that you would change it to the Australian name for Wendigo. What's that? Wendingo. <laughs> <laughs> and then at the end, Linda Kozlowski shouts his name in an avalanche. <laughs> All right, so you've been inserted. Uh, you're in the movie. You're a part of Almost an Angel. Nick, don't say things like this that can't come true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm in this movie. Yep. You get to be in it. Let me see. Who would I be? I mean, <sighs> it is a big decision. I don't know. There's not a lot of room in this movie for for great character. I mean, the the character work. The movie's really hogged up. All the all the laugh lines, all the dramatic work, really. Besides, you know, obviously, but Hogan is front and center of the entire movie. He's crowding the screen. Right. You know, I don't know. What about you? Do you have, I was thinking about this a lot and you're right. It's jam packed. It's bursting into scenes with character. So I think what will happen for me, this is weird, but it's a weird movie. Mm-hmm. So Paul Hogan's down there doing his spiritual thing. Yes. And they cut to me. I'm an astronaut tearing it up in the space station. I am ravaging myself. Of course. I furiously slapping myself in the pants and just, mm-hmm. you know, blowing zero gravity loads all over the place. And then we'll cut back to Angel. I, I'm, yeah. an, I'm an astronaut playing it. You're in, you're a uh, space masturbating? Yeah, smashing dick in space. Yeah. Absolutely. And then it just, it just, every once in a while the movie pauses to show you in space ramping uh, up yeah ramping it up yeah how does that work cuz are you in a suit like, or do you like a three three piece or <laughs> no I, you know what i'm wearing i'm wearing one of those adorable little bonnets that astronauts wear there's a little those cute little bonnets i know exactly what you're talking about yeah, of course that. Yeah. and uh, inside the helmet like you but your helmet's not on helmet's off the... bonnet's on yeah and uh i'm wearing that bonnet and I'm wearing that those adorable space, I guess you'd call it space scrubs, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm just raking it. My character would be uh, stuck in that spaceship with you. <laughs> <laughs> and I am in closed off in like a closet sized room. My head head, not that one in my hands. Uh, crying and my tears, <laughs> of course, are floating. <laughs> Because I am trapped with a chronic masturbator yeah. in space, and I, Houston, we do have a very strange problem up here. <laughs> I don't know what to do. Yeah, space has made him very horny. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, but but you know the, the strange thing is, Houston, we did see a strange like ghostly form of 
Paul Hogan shooting at the earth <laughs> from the heavens. Yes. Is is he okay? Is he is something happening down there? Who who would have thought that my biggest fetish was the null and void of space? You know, it's like who would have thought? What that you never you hear about that in NASA, like they're until they get up there, but you find out that that's what seriously gets their you know rocks off. They're out there, you know, gotta feed the beast. And I, I like the idea of um, them repurposing this footage for Event Horizon. Who do you think the first person to masturbate in space was? Like, because it, it's it's had to have happened. Yeah, right. Like, who? Which one well, of those guys? Hope, not a lot of. Here's where I hope it wasn't mm-hmm. Neil Armstrong. <laughs> it's probably that damn chimp that they sent up. That's true. He was probably. But I'm just saying, like human wise, you think it was Armstrong? You hope it wasn't because he ripped it right off, you know. <laughs> Buzz Aldrin. <laughs> I don't know many. I don't know the names of many people that were, you know, Alan Shepard, Gus Grissom. You know, what I'm talking. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I, I want to know. Yeah. Comes. That's what Paul Hogan should have asked, and when he when he died, and Charlton Heston approached the bed. First question, who was the first human being to masturbate in space? Yeah. God. They call him Jizz Aldrin if he did, right? Call him Jizz Aldrin. Anyway, I'd be in the room saying, I'm trying to sleep. And I have like tears in my voice. Like I'm so exasperated. Yeah, and I'm so dehydrated. Hand me one of those space drinks. I am fucking empty. <laughs> All this powdered ice cream is not making it come out. (laughs) (laughs) I would be upset. I would, I would, my character would be so angry. I guarantee you on that moonwalk, I'd have a little extra bounce in my step, though. That's a tough cleanup. <laughs> Anti-gravity, you know, that's a tough. You, I, who keeps spilling milk? That's I, I, I like out. the idea, though, because it doesn't splash and dissipate. It just hangs out. So after a few weeks in the space station, you're walking through little dots of me, like little dots of my my deposit. You can't contain it. You're not going to suck mm-hmm. it out the space. That'd be rude, you know? Or maybe, maybe that's how the star child. Hmm. Maybe almost an angel is super, super canon. Yeah, true. Yeah, definitely canon. <laughs> so, you've been given uh, the keys to the kingdom once again. You were able to form a business. Oh gosh. Uh, related to almost an angel, and this is a huge opportunity that can't be squandered. So, what are you doing there, dog? They did. They did do Halloween costumes for this movie, right? Oh no, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I was thinking if they didn't, that that would have been a cool. You could have been the characters from this movie. You know, you get um, like Granny in, in Wild Horse mode. You know, <laughs> we could do the sexy version, sexy versions of the almost angel cast costumes. <laughs> yeah, sexy, sexy Rose yeah. at the Boy and Girls Club. Naughty, uh, sexy. <laughs> uh, Sexy uh, Rod Stewart. 
Yeah. Uh, uh, oxymoron, my friend. Yeah, you know you're, what I'm saying? you're right. Or like uh, rock solid kids fighting for the space invaders machine. Yeah. Yeah. Sexy broken space invaders machine. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I would do some kind of costume work here, you know, and, and try to keep it cheap so I can profit, you know. Makes sense. So the maybe the wheelchair would be like you kind of blow it up. It could be a balloon. Um, you know, Rose's glasses, you know, how she has big glasses on her. Yep. Those would those would be balloons. <laughs> his uh knit cap. They were like yeah, there's knit cap where they could be like the they live glasses, except you know, they see angels. Like, you know, you walk around in public and it designates angels, you know. Well, that could be your idea. Now, my idea, I think what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna have a replica of Terry's remote. Oh, this is this is a perfect idea. That I sell in yeah. stores. Spencer will go fucking haywire. Um, and that thing is actually ef- effective. It, it doesn't do what it does in the movie. Hmm. Uh, but what it does is it um it's meat sensitive. <laughs> so speaking of speaking of meat sensitive, you're astronaut. <laughs> So what you do is you have this remote and you can, and you can, and when you click it down, it actually locks a hold uh, uh, remotely on meat and you're able to drag that meat around remotely. So you can control like meat. <laughs> it's got, it's got to airtight. Definitely blows blows my uh, idea out of the water. <laughs> you can, can you can remote control meat, <laughs> just, just like in the movie, Justin. <laughs> well, that's such a tribute. Uh, well, um, what would you do with such a device, Nick? I I think we just I, I'd have not. What more? I mean, I just fucking. Would it take the place of like silverware? No, like, no. What are you no, doing? No, no, no. You're just manipulating meat in your daily life. I mean, go to the butcher shop, you swing it around. You know, or you you're at a restaurant. I mean, just you you just have meat hijinks. Okay. What about you? Sure. I already said mine. I had the Halloween costume. Okay, that's right. I can't. I can't go back to that. I should dig this. You're on an island. But I would. I could do that. Could be part of my Halloween costume. I have that device. It'd be a balloon. You know the the meat device. Yeah. Go ahead. You're on an island. You have amassed uh, assorted debris uh, Mm -hmm. over the years, and you've uh, you've got this little special place, and you get to pull something from almost an angel to your island. Right. What are you gonna have there, man? I mean, for the hundred percent, I would take that huge headboard I talked about earlier from the old people's bedroom, because if I ever wanted to, I don't like. I know we never talked about the the our islands. Are we are we stuck there? Can we come and go? Would you like? Why, what, why would you want to leave? <clears throat> are we trapped on the island? We are right. We're trapped on it, but I mean, it, but we still can it, wish. Uh, things from movies into the air and it appear, they appear yeah, on our I would island. like to think that we're trapped, but there's no place we'd rather be. Okay. Yeah. 
which is why I've got a bloody wheelchair now. <laughs> okay. Yep. That's what you're taking. Yep. And that <clears throat> I, I have uh, an enormous amount of respect for it. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> I'm sure you do. Yeah. Just like you treat everything with so much respect on your island. I do. Yeah. So, um, I take the headboard because I, if I ever wanted to, um, you know, like I said, fashion like some kind of raft or something to get off the island. It's huge. It's like that's a good base for like a like a homemade raft, an island made raft. But you can also use it to to withstand the elements. You know, prop it up against a lean to, as they call it. Yeah, or block out reality. Like, because I don't, yeah. maybe I don't want to see certain things. Maybe my island's in within seeing distance of your island, <laughs> and I just want to, I want to stick that in the sand and hide behind it. That makes sense. Yeah, because everything I see happening over there is a fucking nightmare. Well, I like the idea of superpowered telescopes at the end of each of our islands, so we can e- eavesdrop from time to time. Yeah, yours, yours would be unused. <laughs> Never looked through. <laughs> So. And mine would be in the sea. <laughs> I would have, have thrown it. Yeah. It's seen too much. Oh man, that's great. Yeah. Now, by the way, let's let's end this by talking about Linda Kozlowski. What what do you think? She's quite charming in these in these movies. I think. Um, I think, but she, she. I think your emotions are getting the better. Of you. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Is she? You, you mentioned earlier she kind of tired her. Her and her and Hogan's career careers were intertwined for a while. Um, but what do you think? Do you think she could have had a future beyond old PH? I think she's a fucking placebo. <laughs> what, does what does that mean? What does that mean? Could literally be anybody in that role. <laughs> I'm gonna look her up. She's a see fucking what water pill. She's got nothing. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Betting on the kind of day brings a bird, bears a tea. My hands are shaking, baptize me so I can. Water, water
town Am I forsaken now? Or am I forgiven? Will you release me from this spell? 